about what blessed means, let me just give you my little take on it just so we can kind of begin this, this study. Um, you know that the word beatitude is not about, it doesn't have anything to do with attitudes. It's simply the word from which, um, or the word in Latin that means blessed comes from, that we get the word beatitude from that term. So that's where that comes from. But what does it mean? Maybe you've heard that it means happy, and that's, that's kind of close. But some of the best guesses that I've seen are, are these. Um, blessed could be defined as, or you could translate this as fortunate, or good for you, Jesus saying good for those who are meek or those who are pure in spirit and on down the list. Or you are blessed by God when you are persecuted. So it's odd some of the things that Jesus says. But I asked one of the guys on campus who would be considered our Greek scholar. I said, what's the best way that you've seen to translate blessed in the Beatitudes? And he said the, be- the very best way, he said if-, if it were up to me, he said I think the best translation is this. Congratulations. Because it's a strong, emphatic word. And so what Jesus is saying in the Beatitudes is this. Congratulations to those who mourn. That doesn't sound right, does it? To the Congratulations to the persecuted. That doesn't sound right either. And in our text, congratulations to those who are meek. And we say, no, 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 Jesus, no, that's not how it goes. Congratulations to the successful, the strong, the winners. And Jesus says, no, no, congratulations to the meek. We say, no, Jesus, the meek get trampled on. Congratulations to the strong. And Jesus says, no, congratulations to the gentle, to the meek. We tell you a little trick that sometimes preachers use. It's called creating tension. And what we do is at the beginning of a message like this, we want to try to get you, get the audience to buy into some sort of problem. So we describe some tension and, and I want everybody to think, oh, that's a real problem. And then we go, go to the Bible and we, we figure it out and we address that problem. That's a little trick we use. And so when I was preparing this lesson on my little brainstorm and notepad, I, I put create a tension. And you know what? When it comes to this, this message, I don't have to create one. I don't have to be creative about anything. Because Jesus creates the tension when He says, Congratulations! How fortunate are the meek! Because that is so countercultural. In fact, let me try to describe for you just how countercultural this is. Our culture says, You've got to be strong and assertive. And when you're strong and assertive, that's when you're going to win. You'll be a winner. But Jesus says, blessed are the meek. And so the tension is pretty obvious. Our culture is all about strength and assertiveness and aggressiveness. And Jesus, on the other hand, says, congratulations to those who are meek. And so the question that we've got to ask tonight is, how do we cross from what our culture says over to what Jesus says? Because I'm thinking I kind of want to go with Jesus on this one. I kind of want to go with Jesus on about anything Jesus says. That's where I want to be. I want to follow Him and not our culture. But this one is just so counter to our culture. And it's counter to who I am. This is, this is a tough one. So, what do we do with this? Let's talk a little bit about the, the meaning of meek. And meek would mean gentle, if you were to define this word uh, based on the way it's used in the New Testament. Gentle, mild, humble, modest, quiet. So a wimp, right, 
This is a real wimpy person. And we would say, well, no, just because someone is gentle doesn't mean that they're, they're weak. In fact, you've seen this kind of definition before, but we would say it is compatible with great strength and ability accompanied by dependence on God and humility before God and other people. So it may be someone with great strength and great power, but they've submitted themselves to God and they've humbled themselves before God and other people. So the classic definition is strength under control. You've heard that before. When I think about that definition, I think about a couple of people that I, that I grew up around. There's a guy back in, in West Virginia where I grew up. His name was Flint. Um, he was probably in his late 30s, maybe early 40s. He had kids uh, around my age. And he was a real nice guy, but he was a short guy, probably five, six or so. And he was the, an amateur national bench pressing champion. So every year he'd go out to Arizona and he'd win the national championship in bench pressing for his weight class and age, which was kind of cool. And he'd come to church camp and he was kind of a quiet guy, but everybody be like, do push-ups for us, and you could do like a 200 push-ups, amazing, super strong guy, and this is about how he talked, hi guys, how are you doing, just real high-pitched, and just a kind of a, you'd look at him and think, is that coming from that guy, he was so calm, and so quiet, and for me, he was the epitome of gentleness, but wow, he was so strong, I think about another guy that I went to Free Hardman with. His name was uh, Joe Robleski. Um, big, he was always in the gym, just the big buff guy, but the kindest, mildest person that, that I could think of. Just a perfect example of, of meekness, strength under control. The Bible uses this term multiple times in several different places. It describes Jesus in this way. In Matthew chapter 11, I think I've got this one on the screen. Verse 29, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am a little problem today with the screen, as you can see. For I am, if you can't see it, gentle. That's our word for tonight, meekness, gentle and lowly in heart. Now, does this mean that Jesus is weak because he's, he's gentle? Aren't you glad that, before we explore that thought, aren't you glad we have a gentle Savior? With my sin, I need one who will deal with me gently. I'm so thankful that he said. But again, does this mean that he's weak or that he's some sort of a wimple? Of course not. He endured the cross. He conquered death. He's the victorious king. But we also would describe him as the gentle shepherd. He is the Lion of Judah, but He's also the Lamb of God. And so Jesus then is described as meek, and He calls us to follow Him in, in this characteristic of meekness. But you also find this word for meekness or gentleness throughout the New Testament and some other places in the list passages. Now, I kind of like the list passages, and maybe it's that assertive culture. We just want to know what to do and how to get her done. So you find those passages that list all those Christian characteristics and you say, okay, here it is. This is what I need to be. This makes it a little bit easier. And you find this word, gentleness or meekness, in all of these passages. Let me show you these really quick. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all, I have no clue what it says. I'll run over here with all humility. And the next word is that none of you can see, all gentleness. So we're called to gentleness. Or 
2 Timothy, or 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness. There it is again. Gentleness. Another example. Colossians 3, verse 12. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And then one more, if you're not convinced yet. Galatians chapter 5 lists the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And so Paul says, the evidence that the Holy Spirit lives in you, at least one of the pieces of evidence that the Holy Spirit lives in you, is that you have a gentle life. So this is kind of clear, isn't it? There's no, no arguing. There's not a whole lot of imp- interpretation that we have to do here. Over and over again, Jesus does it, Paul does it, we're going to see that James does it, Peter does it. Gentleness or meekness is described as a characteristic that Christians should display. What you don't find in the New Testament as a characteristic that Christians should display is aggressiveness or assertiveness. Now, I wish it was there. That'd make my life a whole lot easier. That'd make our culture fall into the biblical worldview a lot easier, but it's not there. In fact, one scholar made this statement, and this statement hurts my feelings. It's kind of a hard statement, but I think it's worth seeing. He says, self-assertion is never a Christian virtue. Rather, it is Christian to be busy in lowly service and to refuse to engage in the conduct that merely advances one's personal view or um, way or something, whatever it says behind the tent there. Uh, so this is totally, this, this hurts me. Because I, as, especially as an American, I want to say, hey, you've got to be assertive, you've got to be aggressive, you're going to be successful. And some of that may be true, but you're not going to find anywhere in the New Testament that this is a characteristic that Christians are called to have. It's not. Now, it's not, I'm not saying it's always sinful. I'm not saying that you can't be aggressive and assertive in any way at all, but I'm saying that Jesus calls us to gentleness and meekness. So let's set this up, and I think here's the problem that I see as I look at, at all of this. Oh, let's do this first um, before we talk about what this means to us. So the second half of Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse 5, where this is found is, Jesus says, um, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. You ask, what does that mean? And my response to you is, I don't have a clue what, what it means that they shall inherit the earth. Um, there are some possibilities that we could spend the entire class on is exactly what it means. Um, I, I, to be honest, I, I'm not satisfied completely with any of those answers. I don't think it's a physical thing um, unless you're going to buy into a new creation, new heaven, new earth type thing, which I'm not there. Um, so I don't think it's physical because do the meek inherit anything physically? No, they get trampled on. So this can't be physical. Um, so it has to be, I would think, spiritual. And then exactly what does it mean that the meek shall inherit the earth in a spiritual sense? I don't know. I like what I read one scholar say about this. The sense in which they do this, inherit the earth, um, is not obvious. There's a, there's a good statement for you. So, to spell it all out for you, I do not know what it means that the meek shall inherit the earth. But that doesn't change the fact that Jesus here appears to be calling us to meekness. And you can go elsewhere in the New Testament 
and see that as Christians we're called to meekness. Now the problem with all of this is, this is totally counter to the way our culture views life and views success. In fact, I've put it on the, oh, that was a little too much, put it on the screen. Kingdom success, according to Jesus, that which Jesus would congratulate us for, is gentleness. But our culture, especially American culture, American success, says you've got to be assertive. Now the reason that I would throw American success there and not just say world culture or world success is because other cultures don't promote aggressiveness and assertiveness like our culture does. And so I think that especially with meekness, this is a problem that as North Americans, Westerners, we've got to deal with and we've got to address and kind of own up to and kind of figure out what we've got to do with this. So that's why I put that there. So what does American success or assertiveness bring about? Well, it brings about success, brings about wealth, you get to the top of the ladder, there's some good things that assertiveness creates, and I'm not saying it's always, always wrong, and you should probably, if you want to be successful in sports or whatever, you've got to be aggressive, you've got to be assertive. But I think it also creates situations like this. If you don't remember the scene, this is just from a couple of weeks ago in Waco, when there was a big fight and lots of people died, some motorcyclists died um, because they got in a fight. How do, how do situations like that, how are they creative? Created, I would think they are created by aggressiveness and assertiveness. Now you would say, well, Matt, those were motorcycle gangs. Of course they're aggressive and assertive. But that attitude of assertiveness and aggressiveness pervades our culture and even, even in our churches. And so not only does it create horrible situations like this, but it creates pride and selfishness and envy and anger still we're less saying, but that's just, that's just who we are. So here's the thing. I think this one, I'd never really thought about this whole meekness thing until I was assigned this topic. I wish I had some sort of slick little slogan or nice way to say it, but this one's just hard. And I think the only way that we're going to read this and, and see what the New Testament says about gentleness and say this is who we need to be is we've got to make a decision on this one that we've got to be totally countercultural. That we've got to go against everything that our culture says we need to be and we need to do. And we have to make the choice by the power of the Spirit to be people of gentleness. Here's the thing either way, you're going to be congratulated. You can choose to go the American way and say, I'm going to be assertive and aggressive, and then you'll be successful, and you will receive congratulations for that. Many of you have received those types of congratulations before, because you were a go-getter, and you got it done, and you were successful, or we can be congratulated by Jesus, because it's Jesus who says, congratulations to the meek. And he would say congratulations because... We have, by the power of the indwelling of the Spirit, come to be more like our Savior Jesus. And Jesus would say, congratulations on being meek. Now this is all rather theoretical, and again, I don't have this figured out. Uh, fortunately, most of you don't know me very well, and so you don't know that whew, I, I'm not the gentlest person in the world. And I struggle with this. So, what do you do with this? How do you, 
how do you apply this in life? What do, you, what do you do with this? So let me walk through some categories of life that maybe we can work on being more gentle in. The first one would be this, gentle at home. What would it look like if you decided, okay, gentleness is a characteristic that Jesus wants me to have. He wants me to be this way. What would it look like for me to be more gentle at home? This may be one of the harder ones, especially it's easier for me to pick on men because I am one, especially for us men. This was kind of hard. In Ephesians chapter 5, we like verse 22. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Have you ever read verse 21? You ever read that one? Because here's what verse 21 says. To everybody, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. In other words, everybody, men included, are to submit to everyone else in church relationships, and I think you could apply that down, to family relationships. All of us are to submit ourselves and to place ourselves in a lower position to everybody else. What I get from that is, especially for those of us guys, we need to be gentler. Maybe we need to be gentler with our children, if you have small children. You ever been to Walmart and seen the person who's kind of dragging their kid around, their kid's acting up, and they just jerk them, and you think, hmm. Which, by the way, um, another interesting thing about uh, Savannah, I never thought that my parents would come to do things in Savannah, because we're from West Virginia, but they, my dad now works with the Stantonville Church, and this is, they prefer Savannah Walmart over Selmer Walmart. It's Walmart, so I don't know how you can prefer one over the other. But they prefer this one, so it's just weird that they come over here. And when they have my kids, you know where they bring, bring my kids? To the park here, because you guys got an awesome park. It's just funny how life turns out. Here we are in Savannah. So, Walmart, that's what made me think of that. Um, see the, somebody jerking their kid around? I've got a, a five-year-old and then a two-year-old. He's two and 11 months and he, until he was about two and nine months, was the sweetest kid you've ever, just the best disposition. And he still has just the best disposition, the sweetest kid you'd ever meet, about 90% of the time. But after two years and nine months, whew, something snapped. And uh, wow, it's, it's hard. It's hard to be gentle. Um, with, with small children who are just going crazy. And you've, you've probably felt that before. But that doesn't eliminate the fact that Jesus has called me to be gentle. So what would it look like for you to live out gentleness at home? I would think the ladies probably do a better job with that than some of us guys. Also, let's ask this question. What about gentleness at school? Now, we don't have any of the, the teenagers in here. Um, so maybe this is, this is for, for parents. What would it look like for you to encourage your children to live out what Jesus says about meekness or gentleness at school? Maybe it would mean encouraging them to watch out for kids who are disadvantaged or who are handicapped or who are just smaller or maybe who, like I said, disadvantaged, they're, they're poorer. What would it look like for your kids, for you to teach your kids to follow Jesus by being gentle at school? Because let's face it, you've all seen the kid who runs over everybody, runs over all the other kids at church or at school, and then runs over all of the elderly people. You've seen that kid. How can we encourage our kids not, not to be that kid, but to be, to be gentle? 
And I don't know if it's this way in Paraguay, but in Peru, um, the kids are kind of wild. Um, they're not the most disciplined um, in the world, but they know how to be gentle around the smaller kids. I don't, and maybe it's just because they take more responsibility in, in helping to, to raise the smaller kids or their younger siblings, but they're, they're just crazy and wild until they're around smaller kids, and they just seem to know to take care of them and be gentle. And I think that's something that maybe evades us in our culture. Maybe it's the assertiveness and aggressiveness thing. I don't know. In the school where, the little preschool where Gabby went, uh, she, because of her health problems, is smaller. Um, well, I don't even know, if, we don't know if it's because of her health problems or not. But she's smaller, she has a drain coming out of her, so there's a lot of stuff that can go on. And it's amazing how gentle the kids are with her. It's, it's amazing. And they're just four and five year olds, and I think they probably got a lecture from the teacher when she was off after having surgery or something. But they're really good. In T-ball, um, this was two or three weeks ago. The second half of the season, um, she just kind of got tired. We don't know if she had some stuff going on um, that made her that way, but she's kind of lost her energy. So at the end of every inning, she would kind of mope off the field. And it may have just been she was tired of playing in the field, but she'd kind of mope off the field. And the last game, I'll never forget, one of the little boys, he's probably four years old, probably the best little athlete out there. Everybody gone to the dugout. She's just dragging her feet in there. And he ran back out into the field and took her hand and didn't drag her, but walked with her into the dugout. It was so sweet and it was so gentle. And here's a kid with some strength and some ability, and he was so gentle. So what would it look like for you to teach kids to be a little more gentle, maybe at school? And then this one, ah, oh, this one's tough. This one's tough. And I think this goes for grandparents, parents, if, if you've got, I'm guessing none of, too, not too many of you adults play sports competitively, but what would it look like to be meek in competitive youth sports? Could it be said of you after you leave the ball field? Would people say about you, yeah, he or she, they really are. They're, they look like Jesus because they're just so meek and gentle in the way that they respond to everything going on. That's just not, we would say, well, that's not what sports are about. You're not supposed to be gentle. You're not supposed to be meek. Here's the good thing about being a guest speaker. I can say it and I'll leave. You can be mad if you want to. I don't care. I don't care. Because Jesus calls us to meekness and gentleness no matter what we're doing. So how do, we, how do we figure that out? What's that look like for parents at the ball field? Are you gentle or are you constantly yelling at somebody? Yelling at the umps or the referees? I fear the day when my kids are a little more competitive and I'll be tempted to do that. Um, yelling at the coaches, yelling at the kids, yelling at your kid. What would gentleness look like there? And we'll just stop and talk about yelling for a second. If you are a yeller, can you honestly say that you can be a yeller and have the characteristic of meekness and the gentleness that Jesus calls us to? Again, this stuff hurts me and this is hard and challenging for me, but what would it look like to live out gentleness at the ball field? And then what about on the job? What would gentleness look like for you at work? I don't know. I, I don't know what that would look like for you. Maybe it would be you know, some, some kindness. Um, obviously, if you want to succeed, there's some assertiveness that has to happen and there's some aggressiveness. And can you do that while not stepping on other people and being mean to other people? Um, 
how does that, how does that work? What's that look like? But I think it's something you've got to think through. What's it look like to be meek and gentle on the job and still be successful and be in a position where you can influence people and make a difference in people's lives? And then the last one, um, oh, I'll just, well, we'll skip. That's a quote I read earlier. What about this one? Gentleness and evangelism. You know as well as I do that many of us, at least um, maybe in churches of Christ, don't have a reputation for gentleness when it comes to evangelism. And you'd say, well, it's, it's kind of hard, and nobody, if you get on the internet now and you read the news and the blogs and all this stuff, you feel like your faith is constantly being attacked. How do you respond to that? How can we be gentle in evangelism when we just feel like we're constantly being attacked? And how, how do we do that? Go to 1 Peter chapter 3, as we, we're about to wrap up here in a minute. 1 Peter chapter 3, and I think Peter gives some insight into how, what gentleness would look like in a setting of evangelism or sharing our faith. First Peter chapter 3, now the context is persecution, okay? Speaking of Walmart, doesn't that sound like Walmart? No, that's pretty cool. <laughs> chapter 3, verse 8. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. And he quotes from the Old Testament. But in the context of persecution, here's how Christians ought to respond. Verse 13. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. And we say, well, what if they ask me why I'm like this? Why I follow Jesus? Why I'm kind of weird about stuff? What do I say? What do I do? Verse 15, But in your hearts, regard Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. So you're always prepared when somebody says, What's, what's your deal? Why, why are you like that? What's, your, what's the deal with your faith? You're always ready. How? But how? Watch this, verse 16. Yet do it with... Here's the word we've been talking about all night. Gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Imagine the difference it would make in our world and with our friends and with the people that we know if we always responded about our faith and issues of faith with gentleness and respect. Imagine the difference it would make. So, what do, you, what do you do with all of this? Um, if I'm honest, this is, a, this is a tough subject, and, and I don't always know exactly how to, how to handle it. Here's, what I would, here's my challenge for you guys. I would say, look at this list at homeschool, sports, work, and evangelism, and pick the one that maybe you struggle with the most and start praying about it. Start praying about it and decide, by God's power, I can, I can improve because it's what Jesus calls me to, and, and then work on it. And here's what your prayer might look like. It would be, Father, give me the wisdom to know what to do and then the courage to do it. And the reason you need courage to do this is because it takes courage in a culture where meekness and gentleness is just not the norm. So, you just can't get around this whole meekness thing. It's just there over and over and over again. Jesus says it, Paul says it, Peter says it. And what makes it even more challenging and really gives us no excuse to, to ignore this is that not only did Jesus teach us to live meekly, he modeled it. He modeled it perfectly by giving his life as God. 
He could have crushed everybody and just sent us all straight to hell. Instead, He died for us. That's incredible meekness and that's the meekness that He calls us to. Now, we're about out of time and the voice might come over the loudspeakers again. But as I was thinking about this, I was kind of thinking about knights. I'm not really into history too much, but I I like a good knight movie, right? And uh, my understanding is that knights kind of had a a characteristic or kind of people knew them as being strong, courageous, brave, brutal on the battlefield, but gentle. In fact, one author in describing Lancelot, after after Lancelot's death, said this about him, Thou wert... You don't hear that word very often. Thou wert the most courteous knight that ever bore a shield, the truest friend that ever bestrode a horse. Thou wert the meekest and gentlest man that ever ate and hall among ladies. And then he goes on to say, but on the battlefield, man, you really, you really went after it pretty hard. And so maybe knights were known for being strong, brave, but courteous and gentle. They were known, you know the word, they were known as gentlemen. And really, if we're going to follow Jesus, guys, shouldn't we be known as gentlemen? And maybe we could apply it across the board and say, shouldn't ladies be known as gentle ladies and our kids be known as gentle kids? Because that's who Jesus calls us to be, and that's what He modeled perfectly. Imagine the impact that we could make in this world Imagine the impact that this church could make in this community, that you could make at school, that you could make on the job, that you could make at the ball field. If we just follow Jesus in this one area, and we all lived like Jesus, it could be described as gentle and meek. Let's pray, and then we'll wrap up. Father, uh, we recognize that When we think about meekness, this is not something that's easy. And this is so different from the way our culture uh, does things and the way that we normally do things. And so, Father, we simply ask for wisdom to, to know how to do this. And then, Father, give us the courage to live gently. Uh, Father, at home, at school, on the job, at the ball field, in evangelism, help us to be models of meekness and gentleness. And we pray that as we live that way, others will look at us and see you in us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.